Welcome to the Blessed Sacrament Parish Community Podcast, where our mission is to help everyone recognize and experience the presence of God. Hey everyone, and welcome to the Blessed Sacrament Parish Community Podcast. I am Kristen Russell, and we are back for another year of podcasting. So thank you so much for being with us. And today, I'm really excited to introduce our guest because you've probably seen him on Sundays if you've been at Mass. And if you haven't been at Mass, you should come to Mass and uh, meet Father Rob in person. But Father Rob Howe is here, and uh, we're going to get to know him a little bit on this podcast. So, Father Rob, welcome. Thank you very much. So today, basically, we want our podcast to be a little bit of a Q&A. And I have some questions here that I'm going to ask Father Rob. He has seen them, so no curveballs. Well, I can't promise that there won't be any curveballs, but um, we are just here to kind of get to know our, our new pastor. So we're going to start out with some icebreaker questions. And the first one is, you know, just tell us a little bit about yourself and where did you grow up? Where did you go to school? Well, I grew up in a little town of Washington, Michigan, which is in northern Macomb County, about 25, 30 miles north of Detroit. I attended Utica Eisenhower High School. I didn't just attend. I actually was graduated from there. And then I went on to Northern Michigan University where I got my bachelor's degree and I majored in environmental conservation and minored in history. After that, I worked for a little bit at Consumers Power down in Jackson, Michigan, and that's when I decided to finally pursue a vocation, which led me to a year in St. Paul, Minnesota at the University of St. Thomas to get what's called a pre-theology certificate, which is basically a minor in philosophy, so you can study graduate-level theology. And then I went off to the Jesuit School of Theology in Berkeley, California, where I got my Master's of Divinity and, and was there for three years. Awesome. So you've been through a lot of school. Yes. Excellent. So growing up, I mean, you mentioned like you didn't immediately go into the priesthood. So growing up, what was your favorite subject in school? I was always kind of a science nerd, um, as long as it didn't involve too much mathematics. I I feel you on that one. Chemistry was not a, a good science. Going along, you know, back in high school, did you play any sports growing up or just growing up? Did you play any sports? I should ask. Played just about everything on a pickup level and played a little bit of organized basketball, but I sat on the bench more than I was on the court. All right. So now as an adult, you know, what are some of your favorite sports and who are your favorite sports teams? Well, favorite sports, you're kind of limited when you're my age to not want to blow out a knee or an Achilles tendon. So I limit my sports to low impact stuff Mm -hmm. and um, golf, which is definitely low impact Mm -hmm. and is the most frustrating thing I've ever done in my entire life. As far as watching sports, I like any professional sport, but my favorite's probably hockey. Um, Deep down, the one that's caused me the most anguish and pain, of course, is football. Used to watch that with my father and my mother would have to leave the house because we'd be screaming at the Lions. And I'm sure in some way people are still screaming at the Lions. Um, But going back to hockey, Bishop Ken was a big hockey guy. And did that kind of, did you guys have a bond over hockey with, between you and Bishop Ken? Well, that's another uh, painful part of my existence. And that is he was pretty close friends with the team physician. And he would often take guys down to games and, uh, he had promised to get me down to one, and that was when he had gotten sick, so I never got oh. to go with him. So that, that would have been fun. That would have been, I, yeah. Wow, what a that is a kind of that's a that's a 
big bummer. You know, you have your your background in theology as your vocation as a priest. Um, We're going to get into some more churchy questions now. So I'm going to start off with, you know, we're coming up on All Saints Day. So my first question is, who is your favorite saint and why? That's consistently a moving target, depending on how I'm feeling any particular day. Um, Probably right now, uh, I'd have to say St. Peter, not because of... um, his being our first pope or anything, but because he liked to blurt out the answer, and sometimes he was right and sometimes he was wrong, uh, and that's what I tend to do. Sometimes I'm right and sometimes I'm dead wrong. Interesting. Uh, Peter is, you know, he said the first pope, and I think people only see him as the first pope, but his stories in the gospel, it he truly is, I think each and every one of us at some point in time in our lives, you're like, oh man, that was totally a Peter moment, whether it was a win or a loss. So as a priest, you know, you get to celebrate the sacraments and of the seven, which is your favorite to celebrate as a priest? Well, I think, I guess you have to answer that question or I have to answer that question by narrowing it down. Are we talking about the ones that aren't repeated or are we talking about the ones that are? If we're talking about the ones that are repeated, of course it's the Eucharist. That's that's the center of my prayer life, so that would be first and foremost. If it's talking about the ones that are um, are not repeated, I love doing baptisms, but they're always scary. Babies scare me. When I've had a chance, and last year in particular when Bishop Hurley was here, he allowed regional vicars to do all the confirmations, so I got to do that last year, and I love confirming kids. That's... Uh, the transformation you see from when you're anointing them before and after is it's phenomenal. Wow, that's awesome, you know, that you had the opportunity to be able to confirm. I, I posted a question on Instagram. It was kind of a Catholic quiz. And the question was, which one of these is true? People dying are the only ones who are anointed. Baptism forgives all of your sins. Um, one was deacons can celebrate Mass, and I don't remember what the last one was, but... I think there's a big misconception about anointing of the sick. I know when my brother got in a golf cart accident, he thought that he was going to receive his last rites. As far as anointing of the sick, I was hoping that you could touch on that sacrament in particular, because I think there are a lot of misconceptions about this beautiful sacrament. Um, and I know in a conversation that we had had previous, you said you you enjoyed um you know, that, that sacrament. So I was just wondering if you could touch on that unknown sacrament a little bit. Um, in fact, another day I may have actually given, given that as my answer. One of the amazing parts of that sacrament is, and people don't understand, it can be repeated infinitely. And the best use of the sacrament is when someone is in need of healing, when they are emotionally or physically just down and they need the strength that comes from God's love. And when someone has a new diagnosis of cancer, I always suggest right away, well, why don't we anoint you? When someone's struggling with depression, I think that's a great opportunity to offer the sacrament. It's not a cure-all. It's, it's not a replacement for mental health counseling, but it's a reminder that in the midst of whatever they're going through, God's love is there for them. 
all sacraments are sacraments of hope. And I think the sacrament of anointing of the sick especially is that sacrament of hope. And, and like you said, it's not going to cure any one of your ailments. However, it reminds you that God is right there with you, walking you, with you through this, this diagnosis, this journey of whatever it might be. And I love that you mentioned mental health as well because a couple of weeks ago was Mental Health Awareness Day, and I think people need to know, like, the church cares not just about those who are have physical ailments, but those mental, you know, struggles that we go through as well are very important. So maybe if you're struggling with depression, anxiety, and you need that help, hope in your in your life, you know, maybe consider sacraments of anointing of the sick just to give you that hope that you might be seeking. So moving on from the sacraments, in your homilies, Father Rob, are phenomenal. And uh, I'm curious to know, like, what is your process for developing your phenomenal homilies? Well, thanks for buttering me up. <laughs> it's simpler but longer than most people think. It's simpler in that it, there's never a really intense time of study and writing but it's longer in the fact that it's a week-long process. It's either Sunday or sometimes Monday, sitting down and just simply reading through the scriptures slowly and letting them digest. And then it's picking them up again a day or two later and again reading through them and then beginning to come up with some possible avenues to, to go down, ideas that come into my head. And then weeding through those as the week goes on, to try to come up with one main idea and then allowing my brain to develop that. I don't write texts down. So there's never the, it's never the same from Saturday to 8.30 to 11. There are common threads that are woven throughout, but it's always based on kind of where the spirit's moving me. And I go a lot by feedback, too. I can tell when I'm engaging people and when I'm not. And when I'm super short, it's probably because I realize I'm not engaging people and it's time to land the plane. Um, I was I was taught by a really good professor in graduate school, but I was also taught by Bishop Huntner. And he said we have to go from one idea and work that idea. And when we get into trouble is when we come up with three or four things we want to talk about because then we never develop any of them in the right way. And people can get the impression that we can't quite seem to get to a point. That's really interesting to pick one topic, stick with it. I mean, it makes sense. It does seem like when you preach, you know, that one topic, I I love how you do develop it. And so you really, it seems like you're drawing out something that I think speaks to everyone. Maybe not the same thing, but as you develop along the lines of, of the development, you know, people can find something to connect with them. And I think that's fantastic. And I always feel like I leave mass thinking, oh man, I never thought of it in that way. One of the uh, workshops I went to, this is quite a while ago, uh, and I can't remember this Jesuit priest's first name for the life of me, but his last name was Massengale. He's a, was a professor at Marquette. And it was a preaching workshop. And he said, we can learn a lot from some of the Protestant styles of preaching in that they can take the tritest phrase and work it well enough that it becomes not only meaningful, but it gives people a nugget they take when they leave. The example he used was Jesus is the reason for the season. 
And he said, if you listen to a good Protestant preacher, they will repeat that over and over again at the end of their points. And when people leave, they know what was said. And so it's kind of the same idea. Yeah, absolutely. So as a priest, you know, you get to preach, you get to celebrate the Eucharist and perform all those beautiful sacraments. What is it that motivates you in your vocation as a priest? Good question, and one that's pretty hard to answer. It's twofold. The first is that I recognize how God's love has always been there for me, no matter what, no matter how unlovable I am. And I want to share that understanding with other people, that they know that that same reality is there for them. And the second side of it is no matter what seems to have happened, I will have on occasion people come to me and tell me that something I did somewhere that I was present meant so much to them. And most of the time, I can't remember the event. So it reminds me that it's not me, but it's God. And that even in my brokenness and unworthiness, God can work through me. And that's a pretty exciting thing to be able to live out. I think that you can tell when you, you know, in conversations with you about, you know, your vocation and even your homilies, but just talking with you in general, I think it's very obvious that God's love, that you know God's love and that you want others to know God's love. And I think that is the greatest thing. And I think that's the call of all Christians is to help others know and recognize God's love. So as a priest, um, who has been the most influential person in your life and why slash how? Well, there are four. I'll, I'll, I'll go through them in order. The first was uh, Father Edward Obahusky, who was my pastor growing up, who at first I was scared to death of, but then came to just find to be a, like a kind grandfather I never had. Um, the biggest has to be Bishop Ken Utner, who could speak to me at a level that I've never found anybody else able to speak. He talked to my heart and he spoke a truth that, like the scripture says about Jesus, he spoke with authority and not like the scribes and Pharisees. And then the the pastors I was assigned to as a young priest were both pretty influential. Father Lauren Kalinowski, when I was with him at St. Stan's, had a a unique style all his own, but one that influenced me. And Father Jack Johnson, who was pastor here when I was an associate, um, had a totally opposite st- style as Father Kalinowski, but uh, influenced me a lot, too. What is it that drew you to the priesthood? Was hmm. there something, a person, a something? A, a radical persistence of God. When... God speaks to us, It's at least in my opinion, it's never anything like St. Paul. <laughs> it's not a big moment. It's a quiet whisper. And most of the time, we're not listening. But the whisper continues, and it keeps happening, and it keeps happening. And once we start to hear it, we can decide, are we going to respond to it, or are we going to ignore it? For me, I ignored it for a long, long, long time until finally the persistence paid off. And I decided to listen. And what I was listening to was God telling me, I think you've got some gifts that I can work with. You are far from perfect, but so are every other person. Who is every other person around? So let me work with you and see what we can do together. 
That's beautiful. God is pursuing everyone in in that way. And the question is, will we will we answer? So as we come to the last the conclusion of of this of this podcast, Father Rob, is there anything that you want people to know about you that maybe we haven't covered? That in spite of being big and mean looking, I'm really not. And I'm really good at listening to where people are at and not judging. So if you ever have something you need to talk about, I'd be glad to listen to you. And trust me, I will not be judging you while you're telling me something. And I have to mention, you know, he's not mean at all. He's really a lot of fun. And we have a lot of fun in the office with Father Rob. Um, So, Father Rob, I just want to say thank you for, A, answering God's persistent call. And I'm grateful to the Holy Spirit uh, for bringing you to our parish community. So thank you so much for being here on the podcast. Thank you for being a part of our community. And for those of you who, again, maybe you're listening but haven't uh, come to Mass yet to to meet Father Rob and see Father Rob, I, I encourage you, come be a part of Mass because Mass is not the same without you. Mass is the work of the people and without members of our community, you know, it's just not the same. So come meet Father Rob, experience uh, Mass with your community. And thank you all for listening, and I hope you have a wonderful day. Mm-hmm.